All right, the church said amen. 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 I'd say there's not many things as powerful as worshiping God in song and praise and give me adoration and glory. It uh, feeds our soul and gives us strength to return uh, a blessing to Him for the many blessings that He blesses us with. So I want to thank you guys for the music this morning. It's incredible and so uh, leads us to a place of worship. I want to invite you to turn your Bible this morning, if you would, to John chapter 1. On Wednesday nights, we've been doing a very special focused Bible study on how to be victorious in our Christian life, how to break those things that hold us back, and how to uh, pass through some difficult times and circumstances. And as a part of that, we got a list of things that are affirmations of who we are in our relationship with God. And so as I begin to look at those, uh, and just to see, uh, I had a list and the verses related to it. I thought, you know, there's some deep truth in there for us as believers that we really ought to think about and consider a little more deeply. So I chose several of them over the next few Sunday mornings to bring you maybe a series of messages about who are you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, the fundamental things about life that we really have to examine and have to understand is, is one of those questions, those big questions, is what am I supposed to do with my life? Why am I here? Why did God create me? What, what purpose am I made for? As we begin to understand that truth as Scripture uh, exposes it to us, that we see then a reason for being here. Uh, but another big question that's equally as important, the Bible talks about not only why am I here or what am I supposed to do, but who am I? Who am I? And that, that deals not with purpose, but with person. Who am I as a child of God? And so this morning I want us to take a look at a few verses that deal with that very issue. And so as we ask that question, who are you? Or I need to ask myself, who am I? Uh, then one of the things that I can say with absolute certainty that if I'm a Christian, I am a child of God. I'm a child of God. I want to I bear witness to you and I want to declare to you based on the authority of the Word of God, if you're a Christian, you're a child of God. A child of God. Our God is our Father and that we're His child. Listen to what John says in John chapter 1. I want to begin at verse 11 and read just a couple of verses through verse 13. And here's what he says. He came to His own and His own did not receive Him. But as many as received Him... To them He gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in His name, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor of the will of, God, nor of, the will of man, but of God. Bow with me if you would this morning and let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that the truth in Your Word about who we are is so apparent and so obvious as we begin to read the Bible. And Father, I just thank you today that in our relationship, our faith and trust in you, that you give us the right to become your child, to belong to you in a unique way, to know that for certainty that you are our Father and that we're your child. Lord, we rest in that kind of comfort, that when the storms of life and the troubles and the temptations and the struggles that we have, we, we can be enveloped in that love, that a, a father's love for his child. 
And Lord, because you're the perfect Father, that you love us with a perfect kind of love. And Father, I just pray this morning as we begin to think about this great position that we have in our relationship with you, that who we are as a child, that we are a child of God. Now, Lord, take these verses, please. Just impress on us how important they are, how that they'll defend us through great attacks on our life. And Father, we're going to praise you and thank you for it now. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, it is a, a joy and a blessing to be counted as a child of God. Uh, John reveals that immediately as he begins to write, the, uh, write his gospel, and it's really found, founded on that very thing. Uh, John, probably in his gospel and in the epistles that he wrote, would write later, refers to Christians, believers, as a child of God more than any other writer in the Bible. And so it's uh, his affirmation uh, and his truth to us that we are a child of God. Now, there's some things about that that we need to understand if we're going to really rely on it and, and live it out to its fullest. And, and one of those things I want you to see with verse 12 is that there's this sense of an ind- uh, indispensable requirements, that there's some requirements for you and I to be a child of God that we, we can't put away or can't be excused or, or can't be overlooked. And one of those things, he says, but as many as receive him, and then he goes on to the end of verse 12, and he says, to those who believe in his name. Two of the most indispensable things in our relationship with God is the fact that we receive Him and the fact that we believe in Him. We receive and believe the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as we do that uh, in all honesty and sincerity of our heart, then God gives us this relationship with Him that He counts us as His child. And so John began to write about that. You know, uh, when we talk about receiving Jesus Christ, uh, to receive Him means certainly to receive what He says, to receive His revelation about Him, uh, about how to be saved, how to become a Christian. We have to believe and receive uh, Him His way. (laughs) You know, we're uh, not always inclined to do that, are we? Uh, Sometimes we want to receive things, but we'd like to get them the way that we want to get them, when we want to get them. But with God and our relationship with Him, it's on His terms. Uh, It's His way. And so we receive Him. We receive uh, His truth about Himself, uh, about who He is. He is the Son of God. That He lived a perfect life. That He died uh, a substitutionary death for us. That He took our place on the cross. And He died for us and for our sins. And so we believe, we receive Him as He reveals Himself. You know, one of the things that is really hard for us, I think, as human beings is, is that we not only receive the truth about God and how He reveals Himself, but we also have to receive His truth and how He reveals us uh, to ourselves, right? The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says, but God demonstrated His love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see, not only the truth about who Jesus is and what He did for us, but the truth about who we are and what we did to Him. That we rebelled against Him. That we sinned against Him. And and the Bible says none of us are exempt. This sin problem is universal. It's with all people. Uh, And so we all need that salvation. And so we receive Him by believing what He says about Him and us and our need for Him and our separation from Him because of our sin. And He's the only hope to reconcile us in that relationship with God. It's what the Scripture says. It's what God says. And so we receive Him by believing that. 
very message. It's the message of the gospel, the Bible calls it. To receive Him for what He says. And then to receive Him for who He is. He says, believe. Uh, he said to, to, to those who believe in His name. To believe in someone's name is to believe in who they are. And, and Jesus Christ reveals Himself as our Savior. Uh, our, our, our Lord. And so for you and I to come into a relationship with Him, we must believe in what He says and who He is. And receive that message by faith. And trust Him as our personal Savior. That's an indispensable requirement. That's God's demand for us to come into relationship with Him. Not a suggestion. It's not a hope that God has. But it's really the desire that God has in His heart. So we can come to Him. Listen, I, don't, I, you know, I thought about, a lot about that. And in our arrogance and pride, we can bow up and say, Well, look, I want to come to Him the way I want to come to Him. Look, I, I'm thankful that I have a way to come to Him. I am so grateful to God for who I've been and what I've done that God still makes a way for me to come to Him. So I don't care how we get there. I'll come His way. And I'll do it gladly as long as I can get there. Become His child. You see, it's, there's some indispensable requirements. Let me give you a second thing. If you look on in verse 12 also, there's some incredible results when we make that decision to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I get really excited about this. It says uh, in verse 12, to them He gave the right to become the children of God. Those who believe in Him, those who receive Him, the Bible says that He gave Him, that He gives Him the right. The right is the authority. Uh, He authorizes those who believe in Him to become His children. Isn't that great? The Bible talks about adoption and birth and, and, and those things deal with different aspects of our salvation. Uh, adoption has to do with the legal part of our relationship with Him. Birth has to do with the spiritual life part of our relationship with Him. But listen, we are children of God when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and so there's some incredible things when you think about being a child of God uh, that results from our faith in Him. Think with me just for a moment when you think about how incredible it is. First of all, uh, one of those things in a relationship uh, that we have, our Father in heaven, remember our Father is perfect, and so everything that He does toward us is perfect, and certainly His affection for us is perfect. So His affection for us is incredible when it comes to a child of God. Now listen, I love kids, and I I love all kids, but I love my kids in a different way (laughs) because I am their father. And so there's a different kind of love in a relationship that we have when we're born again, when we're a part of the family of God, when we belong to His children. That doesn't mean that God doesn't love everyone in the world. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that He gave. So love means He loved them this way that He would give His Son, Jesus Christ. So He loves the world. But let me tell you, He has a special love and affinity for His children. He loves you deeply today. Listen to what Scripture says because of that love. It says, and John wrestled with this. And so as he would write in his epistle in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, he says this, he says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. Think about that. John is mulling through this kind of love. And he's overwhelmed by the thoughts of the kind of love that God has for us. And he says, what manner of love is this that the Father has for us? And then here's how he qualifies it. That, he should, that we should be called children of God. John said, how can God love us so much so that he would call us his children? 
Isn't that amazing that God would say that we're his child, declare that we're his children? It's an amazing expression of his love. Listen, God could have saved us and we, we could have lived uh, and not had that kind of relationship. Uh, God, we could have been uh, simply a friend of God and he would have saved us. We could have been an associate of God that was saved. But what did he choose? What kind of relationship did he choose for us when he saved us? Child. A child of God. How amazing that is, is that he would love us in that way. So his affection for us is one of a father and a child's affection. Not only that, but another incredible result is not only his affection for us, but also our access to him. Um, You know, as kids, we have access to our parents, don't we? Or we usually do. There's a lot of times that I I wish I didn't have access to my parents. Sometimes in my life, there were periods of time I went through my life, I wish my mom and dad would have shunned me. But not so. They affectionately loved and disciplined my brothers and I and my sister and our life together. And so uh, why did they do that? Because they had access to us and we had access to them. Uh, So we have access to God, and that's really a great thing. And that access brings a lot to our life and our experience. It brings a lot to our our security and our relationship with God Uh, in times of those storms that we feel like that might overwhelm us or uh, those heavy times that we feel like that we might be so burdened down that we can't go another step or another foot forward. Then all of a sudden we, we think about or we should think about the fact that we have access to God. I've got a burden, but you know what I've got? I've got access. Right? I've got trouble, but you know what? I've got a safe place. I've got access to a safe place. Uh, I, I've, got, uh, I've got confusion, but you know what? I've got access to, to the greatest intellect that there is, to God, His mind, His will, His revelation. That access is, is important. We have access through this relationship. Listen to what Paul writes in Romans chapter 8. He says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again, again to fear. What's Paul saying? Don't fear. You don't have that spirit of fear, but you've got a different spirit. But you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. What, what, what counteracts our fear? What overcomes our fear in life today? If we're afraid and if we're in despair, what overcomes that? The knowledge of our relationship with our Father. The, no, the knowing that our Father is going to take our side, He's going to take up our cause, and He's going to fight for us. You see, that's what fathers do for their children. Paul goes on to say that we might cry out, Abba, Father. You know what that means? It means, it means Father, Father. It means Daddy, Daddy. He goes on to say the Spirit of Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and join heirs with Christ. Wow. What a relationship. What access. We are joined together in this relationship with God where that we are, we are in line to receive the things from God that we need in life today. And so we have access to Him through this relationship. Not only that access to his relationship, but it's access to his resources that we have. I mean, you know, God's got a bunch of stuff. I'm going to tell you, the Bible says, you know what the Bible says God has? It says he has the earth and the fullness thereof. You know what that is? It's everything. And the people on the earth, the psalmist says. So God owns the earth, he owns everything on the earth, and he owns the people that live on the earth. And he has all these resources. 
And so when we have a need, guess what? God has a resource. He has a way to meet that need. But Paul said it, and we studied in our Sunday school lesson, and my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So our Father is busy responding to our need through His Son, Jesus Christ. Everything that we have in our relationship with God comes through His Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. We ought to celebrate that. So look, don't, don't ever believe that you're at a place where you, you're cut off or that you don't have a way out, or that you, you, you don't have any relief. Because if God is true to His promises, and He is, then He'll give you whatever resource you need for that need. Not only do we have access to unlimited resources, and we have access to our relationship, but let me give you one more thing about access, that we have access to new results in our life. You know, a lot of times we choose, or we choose to, and sometimes it's by default. I don't think any believer uh, sets out in their mind and say, hey, uh, I want to go out this day and I just want to be defeated. Right? <laughs> or I want to live discouraged throughout this whole day. Uh, or I want to be down, depressed, and downtrod all day long. <laughs> no, we don't go that way. That's not what we want. What we want is victory. But yet sometimes that isn't the result that we live in. And so what God wants us to do is lead us in a life where we're overcoming our defeat. Oh, resisting our temptation. Walking in, in victory over the one who would want to vanquish us. And we can do that as a child of God. Listen to what John says in John chapter, 1 John chapter 5. He says, For whoever is born of God. And what does that make us if we're born of God? We're a child of God, right? For, who, what, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. What's John saying? That's revolutionary, isn't it? Or it ought to be. Is that the, the key to our, our, our walk of victory is faith. It's trusting God. It's believing in, in, in His way of responding to the circumstances that we find our, our lives in or our situation comes from. It's believing God more than we believe anything else. Even our own experience. It's trusting Him above human reason or even human experience. Now I think about Peter in the storm and the other disciples in the boat and they were crossing over and, and Jesus comes along casually walking through the storm on the water. Pretty amazing, isn't it? I don't know about you, if I had been in that boat, I'd have been like those guys, oh, it's a ghost. Uh, what is that, you know? And here comes Jesus and he's walking on the water just as if it's nothing. For him it is. And then Peter says, hey Lord, can I come to you? Now, I'm going to tell you what, human reason and reasonability says there's no way. But Peter asked him, Lord, can I come to you? And Jesus said, come on. And Peter steps down. Now, how do you step out of a boat on the water? I don't know. But he stepped out of the boat on the water and he began to walk to where Jesus was. You see, the, the time that Peter's eyes were fixed on Jesus and he was trusting Jesus above his own reasoning and understanding. 
I, you know, can you imagine the, the, the other disciples? Maybe they were cheering him along. You know, saying, do you need a lie, Jacob? Or get back in the boat. What's wrong with you? You lost your mind. You know, you, you can't do that. Come back in here. And, but as long as Peter kept his eyes fixed on Jesus Christ, believed that he could do what Jesus had called him to do, then Peter walked on the water. The Bible says the moment he looked away, you see, he began to sink. But even in his descent, <laughs> Jesus was there to rescue him. Peter said, save me, Lord, save me. And Jesus saved him. But the idea is that, that we, we walk in our victory when we, when we trust God and, and, and His way and purpose of doing those things. You may be struggling today with forgiveness or uh, pain or loss or uh, discouragement or whatever it is. Listen, I'm going to tell you, the Bible is full of God's promises for our circumstances. And if we'll get into the Word of God and find His truth about those situations and begin to believe it and trust it, then God will move us forward. It may not be the way that we think we ought to go. It might not be with the people that we think we ought to be going with uh, or even the place that we're going to. But God will be faithful to bring you through. Well, our access results in victory. You know, when you begin to think about another one of those areas of results too as well, that, another incredible result is not just access, it's not just uh, about God's affection, but also God has some assurance for us as well. So when we become a child of God, then we're, the Bible says we're heirs with Jesus Christ. We're heirs to a lot of things. Some of it's future, some of it's present. But one of the things that we're heirs to Him with or we're joined together with Him is the promises of God. They're ours. They belong to us by, by virtue of the fact that we're part of the family of God. So we have these assurances that God gives to us. Listen to just one of those that the Bible says. Uh, John says this, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we will see Him as He is. What's that promise all about? It's about our future, isn't it? God gives us some assurance about our future. Is that one day we may not know exactly what the outcome or what the completion or what the end of salvation fully looks like, but one thing we can nail down and be sure of is that we're going to be like Him. No matter what else happens, we're going to be like Him. Now you say, well, how, why is that so encouraging? Let me tell you why it's encouraging to me. is because He's alive. And I know that no matter what happens to me, even if I feel like I'm going to die, if I wake up in the morning and things are so heavy on me, I I'm going to die. Well, I know I'm not because the Bible says I'm going to be like Him, and He's alive. He lives. We have that assurance that we will be like Him. The Bible says we're predestined be conformed to the image of Christ. So we'll be like Him. So we can hold on to that truth as we live through these circumstances that we face in life. Listen, I don't want to depress and discourage. I'm excited about life. i uh, getting older every day, but I'm excited about what God's doing, how good God is, and how much more that I can experience Him because of, of that great life experience that I had in Him. 
And so it's exciting to know Him. And so we ought to realize that as believers is that there's these incredible results when we come to faith in Jesus Christ. And then finally, let me give you one last thing. There's an inescapable reality. Let me just give that to you in a few words. You must be born again. You must be born again. There's no escaping the need for us to be born again, to be a child of God. What does he say in verse 13? He says, Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. The inescapable reality is you must be born again. Who were born? Now listen, uh, John gives a list of some things that will never cause a new birth. Uh, Hear me again. That Here's some things that will never cause you to be born again, uh, to become alive spiritually. And, And he lists some of those things. He says not of blood, doesn't he? He says um, in, uh, in verse 13, uh, who were born not of blood. The idea is not naturally. In other words, that uh, we don't have our relationship with God in a natural way, in the sense of a birth. Uh, you know, look, I don't care how Christian your family is that you're born into. <laughs> that family can't save you, right? I, I mean, you, you, you've got a great likelihood of being saved because you're probably hearing the gospel, you're probably being prayed for, probably being brought to church, all those things, being exposed to the gospel. But, that, but just because your mom and dad are Christians doesn't mean that you're going to be saved. You see, there's no third-generation Christians. There's no grandchildren in the kingdom of God. We're all children because we all come into direct relationship, personal responsibility to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. So, so it doesn't matter. The family, now listen, I want to encourage you parents. Bring your kids to church. Talk to them about Jesus Christ. Tell them the gospel. You know, live a godly life before them. Give them the example of Jesus Christ in your life. Do that. Do that. But I want to tell you kids that are in that kind of family, that's no guarantee that you're a Christian. No guarantee that you're saved. Uh, You know, in Romania, uh, most part of Romanians, probably about uh, 90% of them identify as Romanian Orthodox in their faith. Uh, Some of them probably had not been in the church, but a few times in their whole life. Uh, but they claim nationally that, hey, Romania is a Christian nation. If I'm born in this Christian nation, I'm a Christian. No, they're not. It's not what God says. The Jews thought nationally, hey, we belong to God. We're God's people. But, but, but the Bible says that you're God's people by faith in Jesus Christ. So if you haven't believed in Him, so look, if you're holding on to your heritage and you were brought up in a Christian family, that, that, that's not going to save you. You need to put your personal faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior. Uh, he goes on to say uh, another thing that won't save you either is, he says, nor the will of the flesh. You see, it doesn't come by, uh, it doesn't come by uh, individuality. In, in other words, is that it's not you that's doing it. You can't save yourself in the sense of good works. Uh, in, in the sense of, of morality or keeping the law in that way. That's not how God designed to save people. Listen, if God would save you based on your works, then who would get the glory for your salvation? You would. You would. But Jesus Christ is the Savior. And He saves us and we believe in Him. We trust Him. Is He going to change our our character? Is He going to change our way that we look at the world and life? Sure He is. Absolutely. He's going to, to transform us. But we begin that relationship through faith in Him. Not because we get good enough to come to God and say, God, here I am. You know, I've cleaned my life up. I've straightened everything up. I've fixed a lot of the mess in my life. And so uh, I, I must be acceptable to you. Farthest thing from the truth. That's a lie. 
Only faith in Jesus Christ. He goes on to say, nor the will of man. You see, it doesn't happen institutionally either. In other words, there's no institution on earth that can save you. Not, not of man's creation or man's grand ideas or anything like that. And let me tell you, that man will not usher in some great perfect world. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Because uh, we're sinful. And we're sinners. And our heart is Scripture says desperately wicked. And a desperately wicked heart can't, enter, uh, can't, can't usher in a perfect world. No matter how the government thinks it can. No matter how even being a member of a church can save you. It's only Jesus Christ. You see, the only thing that will cause a new birth is... is faith in Jesus Christ. He says in verse 13, but, but of God. He says they were born of God. When we're born of God, then we're saved. We have eternal life. Born again, God's way, through Jesus Christ, through faith in His death, burial, and resurrection. He died for our sins. He was buried because of our sins. He was raised from the dead because He'd finished that work of salvation. And so all those things are a reality. And it's inescapable. We must have that relationship with God by faith in Jesus Christ. Now listen. Here's the question. Are you a child of God? Are you believing that you're a child of God because you've trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? And if you are a child of God, don't deny it. But believe it and take full advantage of what it is to be a part of the family of God. That access, those promises, those resources, those truths... That, that tell us who we are. God's child. What manner of love is this that we would be called children of God? Bow with me and let's pray.